Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Chabura podcast. My name is Sina Kahen, the co-founder of the Chabura, and today we're doing something a little bit different. Usually, you'd be hearing the beautiful voice of Ohad Fadida introducing one of our many guest speakers giving shiur. But we've just launched a book, and by we, I mean Da'at Press, the publishing house of the Chabura. And this book, titled Vayikra in Context, is an English summary of Rabbi Elia Benamozeg's commentary, a scientific and Kabbalistic commentary on Sefer Vayikra, on Leviticus. So what I thought I'd do, before you go ahead and buy the book on Amazon or on our website, is to read the introduction, an introduction that um, I've written. Uh, I worked on this book with my friend and uh, teacher in many ways, Ben Rothstein. And I hope this introduction not only gives you uh, an impetus or motivation to get the book and read Hacham Ben Amozeg's words yourself, but to appreciate Hacham Ben Amozeg and the milieu that he was raised in and the incredible legacy that he's left behind for us all. So without further ado, this is the introduction to Vayikra in Context. Rabbi Elia Ben Amozeg was born in 1823 in Livorno, Italy. The Benamazek family boasted many important rabbis and scholars who were illustrious members of Moroccan Jewish society in the 17th to 19th centuries. Elia's mother, Clara Koryat, was also descended from a long line of famous rabbis that went back at least as far as the 16th century. For example, Clara's father was Rabbi Abraham Raphael Koryat, who took up positions in Mogador, Morocco, and later in Livorno. Elia evidently took pride in his esteemed heritage. Quote, This is the tradition to which I have the honour of belonging. It is an uninterrupted one whose roots are to be found in the Maghreb, North Africa. Fathers acquired merit for their sons, and study has never fallen silent in their mouths. End quote. But tragedy struck early in Elia's life, with the death of his father when he was merely three, leading him into the guardianship of his, young, of his uncle Yehuda Koryat, a respected Kabbalist. This tutelage under Yehuda's wing was movingly recounted by Elia in his autobiography, as he described, quote, long winter nights when uncle would read the Zohar with me from start to finish, sometimes twice together, by the dim light of a candle, end quote. Elia's formative years in Livorno, a bustling nexus of trade, exposed him to a tapestry of Jewish traditions, seamlessly blending Italian, North African, Spanish and Franco-German influences. As he ventured into adolescence, Elia found himself at a crossroads between economic survival and his scholarly inclinations. His work engagements, first with a Tunisian merchant and later in a warehouse, epitomised the strife of a burgeoning intellect striving to reconcile the mundanity of warehouse life with his fervour for Torah and the sciences, realms Elia deemed as bearing God's fingerprints. Despite the stifling confines of his work environment, Elia's resolve to pursue knowledge remained unshaken, as evidenced by his clandestine studies, which even his manager seemed to tacitly endorse through engaging conversations. Quote, I felt as though I were under house arrest. How many times I laid aside the ledgers to take up instead my Torah and science books. 
I am grateful in memory toward my manager, who often entered unannounced, catching me in the very act of hiding my books. But never once did he reproach me. On the contrary, he took the opportunity to converse with me on these subjects. End quote. In 1841, after years of balancing work and study, the 18-year-old Elia became Rabbi Elia. Five years later, he was appointed as a rabbi and a professor of theology at Livorno's esteemed rabbinical college. His responsibilities grew as he was appointed Dayan in the local Bet Din. Rabbi Ben Amozeg also went on to establish a prominent publishing house, producing a diverse range of works including Jewish prayer books, rabbinic books from previous generations, and his own legal and philosophical writings. He wrote a commentary on the Targum Onkelos, two defences of the Kabbalah, a commentary of Psalms, more than one introduction to Judaism, a presentation and defence of the oral law, a presentation of the metaphysics of Judaism, numerous critiques of the emerging Jewish reform movement throughout his works, and much more. He wrote in and spoke Italian, French, Spanish, English, and of course, Hebrew. His works, carefully integrating various sources and discipline, disciplines, was a testament to his conviction in a singular underlying truth amidst the complexities of human existence. Central to Rabbi Ben Amozeg's distinguished literary legacy is his magnum opus, M. Lamikra. This unique commentary on the Torah is an amalgamation of Talmudic erudition, esoteric Kabbalistic wisdom, and scientific and philosophical rigor. In a manner reminiscent of Rambam's seminal Guide for the Perplexed, this voluminous exegesis of all five books of Moshe offered an intricate, contextualized, and historically nuanced explanation of various Torah verses, rituals, and terms. In many ways, Rabbi Ben Amozeg's Em Lamikra emerged as the quintessential Torah commentary for the perplexed. A few hundred years earlier, Harambam had only dreamt of having the wide array of knowledge and resources available in Rabbi Ben Amozeg's time to, elucid- to elucidate many areas of Torah. Harambam wrote, quote, The chronicles of those ancient days are hidden from us today. If we knew them and were cognizant of the events that happened in those days, we would know in detail the reasons for most things mentioned in the Torah. End quote. Armed with a comprehensive mastery over diverse disciplines, encompassing science, philosophy, linguistics, archaeology, philology, and ancient history, Rabbi Ben Amozeg embarked on a mission to defend the sanctity of the Torah in an era where its divine origins was under scrutiny by both Jewish and non-Jewish scholars. At a juncture when the Bible was losing its standing as the pillar for moral, theological, and scientific discourse. Rabbi Ben Amozek's publication of Emla Mikra was set against the backdrop of intellectual challenges posed by proponents of biblical criticism, archaeology, and nascent scientific discoveries. This intellectual confrontation, he believed, was an imperative duty for Jewish scholars. Quote, scholars need to hasten to reach the bottom of things, I mean to say, to get beneath the skin and draw out the sparks of the light of truth and holiness by bringing back to the source of running water all the fragments of truth that have fallen into the well of the abyss. End quote. Rabbi Ben Amozek's commentary on the Torah was one focused on comparativism and contextualization. 
This approach insists on interpreting biblical narratives within the broader historical landscape of ancient civilizations, enriching understanding through a comparative analysis of content and style with surrounding myths and rites. Rabbi Ben Amozek saw comparativism as a fundamental tool in his commentary and interpretation, employing it to elucidate obscure passages and rituals by incorporating related insights from the surrounding culture of the Torah. He did not consider this methodology revolutionary, and nor was it. Instead, he viewed it as a continuation of a tradition of intellectual openness and curiosity, traits that he attributed to the sages of the Talmud. Quote, Our sages followed these natural philosophers, as is their way in all matters of human wisdom, to seek shelter in the shadow of the wisdom of their times. End quote. This broad-mindedness was particularly admirable as it manifested in an eagerness to learn from even those cultures and nations that had historically been oppressive to the Jewish people, as did our sages. He held to his convictions steadfastly, despite the skepticism of the Mithrastim Aharonim, some of his seemingly pious contemporaries. Indeed, Rabbi Ben Amozeg's scholarly endeavors in Emla Mikra encountered all too familiar opposition from rabbinic factions in Aleppo, Syria, and Yerushalayim. He was strongly vilified and censured for establishing linkages between the Torah and ancient religious rituals and texts, and for bringing, quote, external sources, such as science, philosophy, and history. This was unfortunately not a new critique, nor a unique confrontation. The annals of Jewish history testify to a long-standing rabbinical tradition, which perceives no contradiction between God's word, Torah, and God's world, science, philosophy, history, a tradition equally acquainted with the ignominies of book burnings and controversies, often instigated by the less enlightened. Regrettably, such controversies persist even in contemporary Jewish discourse. After all, many within the Geonic Sephardi tradition, and more recently the Ashkenazi tradition, have endeavoured to quote, accept the truth from whoever says it, end quote, harnessing the finest disciplines the world has to offer in order to elucidate our knowledge of God and his Torah. In the words of the 12th century Rabbi Yaakov Anatoly, who also faced similar opposition for similar reasons, quote, what branch of human wisdom is there that can be ignored in our efforts to arrive at a fuller knowledge of God? End quote. In this continuum, Rabbi Ben Amozeg now found himself in the position of defending his Torah commentary against allegations of sacrilege through a compelling and moving letter to these dissenting rabbis, thereby championing the honor of an intellectual rabbinical tradition that he was a formidable custodian. Nevertheless, Emla Mikra received a highly positive reception in many Sephardi circles, including the esteemed and established Jewish communities of Greece and Turkey. Notably, the chief rabbi of Izmir, Turkey, and renowned Kabbalist, Rabbi Chaim Palachi, emerged as one of Rabbi Ben Amozeg's formidable allies, extending support to his rabbinical colleague amidst the tumult. His personal correspondence with Rabbi Ben Amozeg not only affirmed their intellectual camaraderie, but also provided strategic counsel to navigate the contentious rabbinic landscape. Rabbi Ben Amozeg refers to Rabbi Palachi and their correspondence in his autobiography. Quote, I must acknowledge the marvellous rabbi, full of honour for God, excellence and holy one of Israel, 
with the crown of God on his forehead, mighty, holy and pure, both saintly and humbly, whom I love as my own soul, who will let me lie beneath his feet in the world to come. I mean the holy rabbi, Chaim Palachi of blessed memory, who stood as a banner to the nations in the city of Izmir and its environs. When he heard of the protests against me and was invited to collaborate with the protesters, that righteous man was not willing. On the contrary, since he knew me better than any of them, he wrote me a personal letter, which I have in my possession as testimony. When I wrote to him that I was working on this response, he replied congratulating me and gave me two pearls. End quote. Rabbi Ben Amozeg's methodology in Emlamikra is emblematic of a delicate balance between traditionalism and anti-dogmatism. He eschewed interpretations of the Torah predicated on unsans- unsubstantiated promises. Premises. Through a contemporary historical, scientific and philosophical lens, he unpacked and enriched biblical verses and Talmudic narratives alike. Rabbi ben extensive scholarship encompassing fields from natural sciences to comparative philology primed him for this task. For a philosopher Kabbalist of the 19th century, taking words seriously entailed their justification through a scientific prism. In this vein, Rabbi ben often presented modern rebuttals to modernist critiques, employing contemporary methodologies and contemporary concepts to fortify and advocate for tradition. This was a distinctive trait of Sephardi and more recently Ashkenazi scholars, who have not only engaged with but also integrated the prevailing intellectual currents of their times. This generational task to represent and repackage the eternal wisdom of Torah through contemporary language is most fittingly described by a more recent Sephardi scholar of the same ilk, Hacham Dr. Jose Faur, quote, Eternity of the Torah cannot be perceived as a mere dogma to be maintained by the fiat of faith and confession. It is a demand and a challenge to discover the significance of the berit, of covenant, within the specific context of the present historical situation. This dynamic concept of the eternity of the Torah finds expression in a form of religious humanism that is peculiar to the Sephardi tradition. The distinctness of the Sephardi tradition rests on its ability to adapt the key symbols of the general culture to the specific context of Judaism. End quote. Rabbi ben expressed a profound concern regarding the separate study of Torah and science, positing that an individual engaging in their isolated examination, bereft of seeking an integrative synthesis, brings himself to doubt. This, he states, emerges upon the individual recognizing the surface-level discrepancies between the two fields, which will result in the inevitable rejection of the one that is perceived as less substantiated within the prevailing paradigms of social discourse, namely the Torah. This ethos, advocating for an unbreakable synthesis between Torah and science, was upheld by many Sephardi scholars of the time, most notably the illustrious Rabbi Israel Moshe Hazan. Rabbi Hazan, known for his roles including that of chief rabbi in Italy and Egypt, and recognized for his profound legal responsa, asserted, quote, separating science and religion is a Western characteristic and a mortal sickness, end quote. For Rabbi Hazan, akin to Rabbi Ben Amozeg, 
this Western lens of dichotomizing and categorizing had influenced certain corners of Jewry, rendering science as sterile and religion as weak. This, he believed, ultimately cultivated a materialistic society devoid of intrinsic moral principles. In Rabbi ben response to the dissenting rabbis of Aleppo and Jerusalem, he remarked upon the deficiency of scientific literacy amongst the less erudite Jewish communities of his time, who, in the absence of such knowledge, gravitated towards superstition and fallacy. He metaphorically expressed this sentiment, stating, quote, The old adage has it that nothing is worse than the slave who is suddenly set free, because light blinds those who have never seen it if they are not accustomed to it, gradually. Thus they were abandoned by the Torah, because they failed to study it in a state of purity. And if they had previously been educated in the paths of the Torah, with reliable texts and teachers, they would not have turned to charmers and sorcerers. End quote. Science is thus compared to light, and Torah study, without its harmonious accompaniment of science, is defined as impure. Rabbi Ben Amozeg's Emla Mikra, was a vaccine to solve this disease. His dissenters mistook the vaccine for the illness and rejected it violently. A prime example of Rabbi Ben Amozeg's ability to harmonize the realities of the world, science, with the realities of the word, Torah, is his analysis of a burgeoning discovery of his time, Darwinian evolution. Commenting on the major discovery of his time, Rabbi Ben Amozeg writes, quote, Recently, researchers wanted to explain that those days of creation were not literal, but were 1,000 years or more. There is nothing new under the sun, for I have seen that Rabbi Abraham ibn Ezra wrote this, saying that each day was a 1,000 years. And who knows, maybe this is what our sages meant when they said, this means that there was an order of time beforehand, i.e. before creation. All the labors of Darwin and his followers will only succeed, if at all, to prove that many of the species that we now regard as distinct species in their own right have been, over the course of the generations, no more than variants of other species, and that through the continuous changes from one generation to the next, they have acquired their own distinct morphologies and names. The reason that these scientists hold such views is their lack of belief in the action of any force above the forces, presently active among living things which could instantaneously produce new creatures. And if they did succeed in proving that the majority of the species are nothing more than variations and strains from other species, they would still be compelled to acknowledge that in the beginning there existed a few species which did not develop from other species, but which gave rise to all the other species. End quote. Rabbi Venamozek addresses this topic in detail in numerous places, but I will attempt to summarize his key points. While acknowledging the scientific evidence that the earth was much older than a literalist reading of the Torah would suggest, and the development and variation within biological species, Rabbi ben rejects the notion that new species arise solely from these variants, or that all species descend from a few ancestors. Instead, Rabbi ben interprets Darwin's concept of natural selection as a process leading to stable, permanent species, suggesting an inherent, quote, internal rationale and cause, end quote, end quote, that ensures the survival and inheritance of beneficial traits. Rabbi Benamozek critiques Darwinian reliance on natural forces alone, 
positing a, quote, force above the forces, end quote, that instantaneously creates new life forms, thereby addressing the still unresolved scientific question of life's origin. Rabbi Ben Amoze concludes that both scientific and Torah perspectives implicitly support the existence of a superior creative force responsible for the inception of all species, asserting that this force would logically extend its influence to create all forms of life, aligning with a divine purpose rather than being limited to a few ancestral species. In his view, the apparent alignment of Darwinian theory with the concept of a creative force upholds the coexistence of scientific understanding and Torah tradition, emphasizing a harmonious integration of natural processes and divine intervention. Although Rabbi Ben Amozeg disagrees with some Darwinian claims that lacked empirical evidence, he does so on scientific grounds. At no point was Rabbi Ben Amozeg disrespectful to Charles Darwin or his discoveries, and any differences did not prevent him citing the authority of Darwin when convenient. Therefore, Rabbi Ben Amozeg's humble approach to the developing field of evolutionary biology was at once thoroughly scientific and deeply theistic. Rabbi Ben Amozeg died on February 6, 1900. His tombstone fittingly commemorates him as the last representative and prince of a whole family of scholars. He was at once an expert in the various scientific discoveries of the physical world, while also an ardent defender of disciplines that sought to understand the metaphysical world, philosophy and Kabbalah. He was at once a traditional critic of reformist Jewry and the Dayan unabashedly upholding the sanctity of revelation, while being a modern visionary who believed in the evolving progress of humankind. Ultimately, Rabbi Ben Amozeg did not subscribe to a Western worldview that incorrectly perceives the world in simple categories and oppositions. In the penultimate section of Rabbi Ben Amozeg's defense letter addressing his dissenting rabbinic counterparts, he movingly articulates his plight with poignant eloquence. Quote, Alas, gentlemen, I will tell you what this situation resembles. An old man had two wives, one young and one old, who hated each other, like Hannah and Penina. With the passage of time, his hair began to whiten. The young wife pulled out his grey hairs, and the old wife pulled out the dark, each so that he would be more like herself. And he, poor man, ended up bald. It is the same for me. Science and faith are closely connected. They proceed together. But there are many people who see my fear of God as imbecility, or see my science as mere vanity, and my books as the stinking flesh of dead animals. And my petty self among them, neither impious nor a scholar, belong half to the devil and half to the good Lord. To one man I am a pious fool, to the next a heretic. I am called a scholar, but not a hacham, and sometimes a plains herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. Here they don't believe Europe suits me and advise me to go to Jerusalem and Mount Zion, but there they refuse to let me enter the sanctuary and send me back outside among the scholars of the nations. And I, for my part, 
remain as though hanging in air, neither rebel nor recognized writer, heretic nor believer, infidel nor Kabbalist, philosopher nor rabbi, blasphemer nor orator. I am not assimilated or awaiting the Messiah, neither Shammai nor Hillel, nor day nor night. End quote. Indeed, Rabbi Ben Amozeg was unique in his ability to unify so many ideas of two generally distinct schools of Jewish thought that emerged since the appearance of the Zohar in 13th century Ashkenaz. On one hand, there is the domain of his beloved Kabbalah, often perceived as a cryptic and exclusionary doctrine, which has often served as a ligament to superstitious thought and practice. On the opposite flank lies the realm of philosophy and science, acclaimed as the quintessential instruments through which humanity seeks to fathom reality within the confines of human intellect. In his own words, quote, To recognize the relationship between Kabbalah and philosophy, you only need to have a pair of eyes and an acquaintance with both disciplines. End quote. Few rabbis have managed to reconcile these ostensibly incompatible paradigms as convincingly and profoundly as Rabbi Elia Benamozeg. In the end, one can principally glean three fundamental tenets from his teachings. The rejection of blind faith, a drive to harmonize God's word with God's world, and an unwavering conviction in the advancement of humanity. These principles ultimately epitomize the core of a Sephardi tradition that Rabbi Benamozeg meticulously preserved and propagated. Samuel Colombo, one of Rabbi Benamozeg's students, succinctly encapsulated his teacher's philosophy in a sentiment that provides us with an eternally relevant signpost to navigate our own relationship with the past, present and future. Quote, Look at the past firmly and steadily and at the same time explore progress, which is making such rapid strides. Far from adoring only one or the other, look for a formula to understand them in real harmony. End quote. May this book inspire us to embrace this timeless challenge in our era. Let it encourage us to deepen our knowledge of the Torah and all aspects of worldly wisdom as we pursue our primary goal of knowing God, following in the footsteps of Rabbi Elia ben Amozeg. So, that's the introduction to our latest publication, Vayikra in Context, and uh, I hope it motivates you as I say, to not only purchase the book on Amazon or Da'at.press, but also to take heed of Hacham ben Amozeg's work and legacy and seek to find the unity in all that is human existence. <laughs>